What's going on, Bitcoin accumulation country? My name is Phil. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. We are in season three, and this is episode 22. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. Hope everybody's having a great week. I've got a really great interview today with the team from Noddle. So with us, we've got Keto Miner, and we've also got, I'm going to try to pronounce his Twitter correctly, uh, Iascueto. Uh, I hope I got that right. I, I definitely did. Uh, I definitely did my best. Anyways, um, I've been trying to get a chat with these guys for a really long time, and we've just been going back and forth for probably almost like eight months. Anyways, finally got it down. Finally got it recorded, and it turned out really well. So I'm very excited. But before we get into that, we are going to talk about Swan Bitcoin and dollar cost averaging. For anybody who is interested in dollar cost averaging and who wants to be purchasing Bitcoin but doesn't want to be spending their time constantly watching the charts and listening to traders that they really have no idea whether these people are credible or not and you kind of just want to put this in kind of in a passive sleep mode where you're simply just accumulating and hodling and then being able to transfer that Bitcoin out to your own private address. So if you're interested in doing that and that falls in, in your wheelhouse, then you are looking for Swan Bitcoin. With Swan Bitcoin, the three main takeaways are we've, we can do automatic withdrawal from a bank account, automatic purchases of BTC. You can time them based on your uh, when you receive your check. You know, you can do it, uh, you know, let's say once um, you can do it once a month um, or you can do it per pay period as well. Um, there's lots of options for you to be able to customize how you purchase. And you could automatically withdraw to your uh, your chosen address. So if you're interested in a Bitcoin-only platform um, that is doing the uh, the great work of helping onboard people, then you definitely want to check out Swan Bitcoin. I'm going to have the, uh, the link to their website in the show notes. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I'm your host, Phil, and joining me today is a very special, two very special guests um, that I've actually been, we've been going back and forth and trying to uh, to get this podcast together, uh, but, you know, the stars haven't aligned until today. So joining me is Keto Miner and Askew from the Noddle team. Guys, thank you very much for taking the time to join me on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for that. Very cool. So look, um, I, I see a lot of offerings on your, uh, you know, on your website, and obviously I want to talk about the, uh, the Noddle. But, uh, but before we, uh, we talk about the Noddle, I, I definitely want to discuss your rabbit hole stories and, uh, and see you know, why, you know, the thinker behind the thought, why you got into Bitcoin. So we'll start off with, uh, we'll start off with uh, Keto Miner. And uh, if, if you don't mind uh, letting us know, you know how you tumbled down the rabbit hole and you know, where you came from. So I'm an uh, I'm an IT guy. So I like l spend my life on the internet for 20 years now, uh, basically. But my first contact with Bitcoin was when Second Life was a thing, uh, around 2010 probably. And actually, uh, for me, it was just another bullshit uh, game money. So I didn't pay attention to it and and didn't do much to to understand what it means. And then I met a guy in 2012 at work who told me more about it and explained to me really uh, the concepts and and why it is a 
a great technical object. I'm I'm always approaching things as technical objects, less than like ideology or hmm. or even the money itself. Um, and we started working on a project which was a hardware wallet actually first. Uh, then we went apart on two different companies. The project died by itself, and uh, now three years ago, I started like really being involved in meetups and and stuff. And I decided like what what's better to understand it than to just use it uh, on a day to day basis. And I built my first uh, hardware full node because I didn't want to use a, a computer, general purpose computer for that. So I bought a I, I built a hardware full node. It was a Raspberry Pi Zero uh, with an SSD, and all that was packed into an, an external hard drive case. Oh my um, god! So that that was the very first node. It didn't have a name. It didn't have a commercial goal uh, per se. And yeah, and sometime later, like more than a year later, when Lightning started appearing and then BTC Pay Server, I, I've seen the opportunity to really build a product around the full node with additional services. I, I want to um, I, I want to ask you about how did you get it to work on a Pi Zero, a full node on a Pi Zero? Yeah, so back in those days <laughs> with an SSD, you could run a full node on a Pi Zero and sync in about two weeks. Oh my God. That was when the blockchain was probably just under 100 gigabytes. Okay, that's that's really cool because l recently I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, I was wondering. I'm like, man, could we ever get it to work on something that small again? So but... I, I guess <laughs> if you run it pruned and if you pr copy the blocks from another device, yeah, it, it would probably stay synced if you never turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So in other words, we need a stronger, more powerful Pi Zero. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, very cool. Um, I really appreciate that. That's that. That's definitely so. It's interesting that you came at it from the technical aspect. Okay, so so I have to wonder because I came at it from the partially from the technical and also from the philosophical standpoint. But I still I I got I, I still got dragged into shit coining because I just wasn't mentally strong enough. So I have to ask you uh, because you came at it from the technical side. Why didn't you know what I mean? Like. Why didn't you fall into the trap of, you know, the technology trap of going towards shitcoins? What is it that made you stay on the, the course with Bitcoin specifically? I had a short period in 2017 where I was mining any shitcoin possible, but I was mining them for Bitcoin. Yeah, of course. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's probably understanding that it's impossible for something new to accumulate the proof of work that is already there in bitcoin interesting uh, it just doesn't make sense investing time and also you know there are so many bitcoin news and things happening and the technology is so complex that just overloading my brain my cpu time with other coins makes no sense yeah seriously that's <laughs> I always have to ask, you know, because it's just, it always fascinates me. Um, so if, uh, you know what, if we can switch over to, uh, to ask you, um, ask you. Yeah, Are I guess my story is a little different because I didn't come in from technical side at all. Um, cause that's not my side anyways, but, um, I, I came in from like a newspaper really. And, uh, and it required, I guess, a lot more effort, um, 
to wrap my head around all these concepts that I really wasn't familiar with, um, just because I wanted to, to understand more. Um, and I had a hard time figuring out um, what was true or not true in the papers because it, it seemed too, you know, too good to be true or, or, you know, there were a lot of questions that were unanswered when you read the, the, the newspaper. Um, that I actually ended up going to meetups and then just being very, very lucky in who I met first. Um, and that just uh, kept me with Bitcoin. I, I never moved away from Bitcoin. Um, I, I stuck with it, but partially through through luck in the, in the first people I, I met around Bitcoin. So, so when was that, if you don't mind me asking? I don't know. I, I guess it's maybe a little longer than I would think. Um, maybe four years ago. Four years ago. Um, cool. Not not that long, you know. Yeah. Um, okay, so like 2015, 2016. Probably, yeah. Interesting. So, and it's kind of fuzzy because it it, it didn't happen like suddenly. It, it was fairly gradual, um, and uh, you just get sucked in, and, and you don't see time go goes by, you know. And and then it's been a few years. So I guess what what was it that uh, that that attracted you to uh, to Bitcoin? Um, because uh, you said you didn't come in from the the technical aspect. Is it uh, is it the ideology or just the financial like investments? I, I guess the the thing for me was it was supposed to have so many promises, and it seemed so complicated that I kind of felt it was fishy. I was like, I don't get it. Why is it like? that magical you know and because it was complicated i had to dig in a little bit and i probably drew a few parallels between like the ideology behind people who try to build bitcoin and maybe what happened around like create internet and uh which i i find is fascinating like you know stories of like the 60s the 70s um i i kind of like that vibe and um and there's probably a lot of similarities in in trying to build something better um, because you're not necessarily satisfied with what you see around you. So it's very so, ideological for me, anyways. Okay, cool. So okay, all right. So all right. So you're you're more the ideological guy, and and Keto is is more the the tech guy. So how, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how did you guys like? How did you meet, and how did you decide to to you know to form this and, and make Noddle? We're the beer guys first. Uh, so we met over <laughs> beer. Uh, no, awesome. we, we met at the at the meetup in in Paris. Um, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. There, there's a. A small crowd, um, but uh, but we met some very interesting people. I guess uh, it, got, it definitely got me started a lot. Um, and and we met at the bar, and you know, probably three, four years ago too. Um, interesting. Actually, if you go through the pictures on the Nodal Twitter account, you will see I reposted some a picture of this first prototype, and it's from the day we met. Oh, cool. I'll definitely check it out. And actually, if if um, uh, what's it called, I'll post a uh, post a link to it in the uh, in the show notes. Sure, because that that's some pretty good stuff. Um, okay, so I, I mean, so 
why i guess for me like why is it that you chose to to make a node like i understand like keto miners started you know doing you know with with a hardware wallet and stuff like that but i guess um ask you on on your end like what was it that drew you to decide okay you know i want to i want to go in this direction you know with this so the first encounter was kind of funny because um the the bar changed now, but the, the place where the mirrors used to, to take place is extremely dark. So you almost can't see anything in the bar when you cross to go to the bathroom in the back. Um, it's just obscure. And I'm walking down by the bar to get a drink, and I see lights flashing. It's like Christmas. And I turn and Keto's there. I, I didn't know him at the time. Um, with a stack of like phone chargers and a raspberry and everything's blinking. And that was the note actually. And so because it was unusual, I stopped. I was like, what is that? We started talking and that's it. You know, that's how we met. Um, so we actually met through the, the early Noddle prototype, I guess. That's really cool. It's just like, I find like these, you know, um, I guess it's like serendipitous, you know, it's just, it, it, kind oh, yeah, of, it, yeah. it kind of works together. It's really interesting. So, so you also like blinking lights, right? I, I'm a huge fan of LEDs and, and any of that stuff. Like the second you throw it's some... It's like something's happening. Yes. You know? And if you get the right glow, it just looks so cool. So, exactly. yeah, I totally... Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, and, and the thing is, like, we... We'll get into it later, but, like, we showcased the, the prototypes at various conferences later on, uh unfinished, no casing, you know, cables everywhere. The thing's a mess. But people will stop and yes. they'll come talk to you. And they're excited and they're curious. And that's how you meet people, you know. And, um, you know, that's how it started for us. That how how it goes most of the time. You know, you talk but, to people because people are curious about this. I was going to say specifically you end up meeting the right type of people because when, when you sit there, I, I personally, you know, what you just described, 100% I'd walk over and, and, and sit there and, yeah. st and stare and ask questions. I'd have no choice. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the deer caught in the headlights. So it's, it's definitely interesting and it draws those, those types of people in. So I'm actually just on your website right now and, and I'm looking at, at your guys' offerings. Um, and I was, you know, I explained this to you before the, uh, the, the show. I, I'm, I'm partially ignorant, you know, to your product. Uh, I only know about it uh, from the interview I did with Matt O'Dell and some of the, you know, some of the base, you know, some of the basic research I've done. It looks like an incredible product. Matt absolutely sings your praises. Um, you think he absolutely, to me, uh, on the podcast, he said how amazing it was and how easy it was to use. And I'm just looking right now and I see you got quite a few different offerings. You've got the Noddle One, the Dojo, the Cloud, the Rack. So if you don't mind, it, if we can go through each of them and you guys can just kind of, you know, j just explain, I guess, the, you know, the, the differences, you know, between them or I guess what the use case is between them. I, I um, cause the Noddle Cloud, I feel is something more corporate. And the, and the rack also, I feel, is more corporate. So let, let's rewind to the to the box first. And the, just to add a little of backstory. Um, so as you mentioned before, the Raspberry Pi Zero is something which won't run a full node today. And actually, after this first prototype died uh, of just burnout, <laughs> uh, I spent the next year or so uh, trying every possible SBC, uh, single 
board computer and storage combination to find out which one would be optimal to run a full node. So a lot of research actually went into just buying any Raspberry Pi type device on the market and testing it. Um, oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so currently our box has a six cores processor. It's a RK3399. Um, for for those who know a little about ARM processors, it's a big little combination. So it has two big cores and four small cores. Um, typically, the the big cores will be running stuff like Bitcoin D itself, and the small cores will be running like the background processors such as Tor and and other stuff. Um, and yeah, and another thing that I noticed pretty early on is that an SSD is a necessity for, for having something which actually works uh, because spinning drives or even spinning drives with an SSD cache are, are not fast enough for the current state of the blockchain and, the, and all the services we want to run on top of that. Like just a BTC RPC Explorer, uh, Block Explorer that we just added um, is a very uh, CPU and storage consuming piece of software. Um, so if you don't have fast input outputs on the storage, uh, you will just wait forever to see one block. Um, then, the, as you said, the rack is definitely a corporate product. Is more, Today is more a showcase product because uh, we anticipate the day where People like Amazon, Walmart, or Carrefour in Europe will ask to process big amounts of Bitcoin payments per day. Yeah. Uh, so we want to be ready and have a product for that. Um, currently, we don't have customers for that because it's a niche product and no one really cares for high volume. Uh, but we can show that we can do it. We have a small scale rack with only two small motherboards inside. Uh, with four cores, four gigs of RAM, which runs the full stack redundantly on the two boards. Uh, but that can scale up to uh, uh, four, four servers in a two rack unit uh, rack device uh, with tons of SSD storage, tons of RAM, and processing thousands of transactions uh, per, per minute or per second. That's pretty amazing. I. I... I, I really like that, uh, you know what I mean, that, that you guys have a product like this, because um, I, I can honestly say, you know, at least eight months ago, I was sitting there thinking, you know, like, why why aren't we having these bigger systems? Because eventually, if we do, you know what I mean? It's like, if we don't build it, you know, if you guys don't build it, then the infrastructure isn't there when people say, well, can it do this? You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, no. I, yeah, that's the bet. And then we have the Nodal Cloud, which sits in between. It's, uh, it's actually not one product. It's like many different things under one name. Uh, our goal is to build the AWS for Bitcoin. So any person that wants to run a Bitcoin-based service and not manage the infrastructure can rent different services. Uh, obviously, the most uh, simple one is just exactly the same Nodal UI with all the same services, but on the cloud or dedicated based server. Um, let's say you are a digital nomad and you don't have a place to put your bo physical box. You can just rent one in the cloud. Um, then you have the other use cases such as BTP, BTC pay server. We have 
from what I know, one of the few, uh, let's call it uh, enterprise style deployments of BDC Pay Server with redundant databases, load balancers, and all the all the bells and whistles that you expect from a production website. Um, and uh, another use case which we have for a few months now is uh, hosting massive amounts of Lightning instances. Uh, hmm. Because the big difference between a Bitcoin instance and a Lightning instance is that you need one Lightning instance running for each wallet or each user. Uh, so we are running the biggest part of the backend servers for the Sphinx chat application, and that's hundreds of Lightning nodes. Oh, wow. I, I really know nothing about that. Uh, I'm sorry, what, what, what is that called? Sphinx chat. Uh, you maybe heard about Juggernaut. Yes. Uh, which is a desktop-based app for chat on Lightning. So Sphinx is the same on mobile, and there is also a desktop version coming soon. That's really interesting. I, I'm sorry, I didn't, uh, I didn't know that they were even related. But um, to go back to something that you said about the hard drives, I think it's, it's very interesting. Um, I, I noticed that as well very early on, is that as soon as I strapped an SSD in there, you know, um, I know that people talk about, you know, the bit, the uh, the download time, right? Like when you're setting up a node, okay? Once you get to the point where you're downloading the blockchain, whether you're doing it from Tor or you're, you know, you're actually downloading, not, uh, sorry, not from Tor, but a compressed file um, or you're actually getting the, the full blockchain. I, I noticed that with spinning drives, you know, even with a Raspberry Pi 3, you know, you're probably looking at about, with decent bandwidth, you know, you're looking at about something like seven days and even though it shouldn't matter, okay? Even though it shouldn't matter, I did the exact same test with an SSD and it cut it down to two and a half days. And that was on a Pi 3. On a Pi 4, it's even faster. So it's like maybe the download time is only affected by the bandwidth, but I firmly believe that the disk read and seek times make a difference when it goes through and verifies the blockchain during that process. Yeah, definitely the seek times, which are zero on an SSD. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, the bandwidth, I overestimated the influence of bandwidth uh, in the beginning because if you just run one node on the network, uh, you see a huge spike in the beginning of the of the download, but it's not necessary. Uh, it's mostly because you're rebroadcasting the blocks that you already acquired. And now I have like... 12 uh, nodes syncing on my network and the total bandwidth is probably under 10 megs oh wow okay yeah it's it, you know what it's really interesting i, I do a lot of these kind of you know like kind of like network tests just to see how much traffic is actually going on and to be perfectly honest when a node is you know up and running once we're done with the downloads I mean, you're, you're talking about kilobytes. Like, I at one point I had, what, I think it was like uh, 10 nodes running. And, you know, what, each of them is maybe doing 7 to 12 kilobytes or something a second. It's really not, it's really not that much. Yeah, we were surprised that some users actually have a higher bandwidth, but we noticed that it's mostly the users that opened the Bitcoin ports to the outside. So they are just having incoming connections from other nodes. Hmm. So, so let me ask you, I guess, because I mean, look, you, you guys, to me, you seem to have offerings all around. You mentioned at the beginning, one of the first things you were working on was a hardware wallet. Um, is there, is, is there any, 
plans like that in the works from uh, from Noddle? No, not really. No. We, so I mean, I personally iterated through many ideas, but uh, there are some great products that came uh, meanwhile on the market. And I don't think, I mean, I can do some basic electronics, but I'm, <laughs> I I dropped out from school too early to do something <laughs> meaningful. <laughs> That's not true. What are you talking about, man? You guys are killing it with this thing. I, I think it's super cool. Um so I guess what what actually is uh, what what are your uh, you know what are your plans for uh, it, the stuff that you can actually share of course you know no, no top secret lightning stuff but uh, any ideas uh, going forward with uh, Noddle? I think the main next step is to actually make the Noddle cloud offering public uh, because now it's a kind of a private beta stage. Uh, we we are late on that uh, and it's among other things related to the coronavirus, actually, because the data centers are very hard to access right now. Oh, yeah. And can't just plug in new servers. No. <laughs> it's, that, it's that stupid. And I just got word that the situation in the data centers won't change before September because it's a global company and they're applying the same policy in all the countries. So as long as there will be one country with an active... Uh, virus circulation situation they will not open any data center in the world uh, so we can only go for emergency maintenance but not to add new hardware okay yeah so yeah, there you go they're putting their rules in place um so let me ask you this uh i've never actually seen the the, the ui for the uh, for, for for the noddle do you guys do you guys make a custom a custom ui yeah, it's. I mean, it's based on a bootstrap CSS, uh, like many things today. Um, it's it's not the prettiest thing because I'm not a web developer and I don't don't want to be one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very basic, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's functional and most people never ask any questions. So I guess they find their way around. Uh, basically, you just have one single password that you have to set when you first get the device. And then you have one tile uh, for each application running on it. And you can just install, upgrade, and and access the settings of all the applications. And for example, if you want to connect an external Lightning wallet, such as Zap or Zeus, uh, or fully nodded to access the Bitcoin D or any other app, you just scan QR codes. You have usually two QR codes for every service, uh, one for ClearNet and one for Tor. Okay, very interesting. So look, so let me ask you this, right? Um, if I'm a, uh, you know what I mean? I, I'm a retail user that is um, not so technical, right? Which, you know, how, how you know, I guess, how would I experience, like, how would my experience be with the Noddle? Like, is it, is, is, I'm trying to figure out, like, what type of user is it? Is it more the technical user that this is geared to? Or is this more like really the retail, you know, kind of branching into the retail end of uh, a I little bit less we technical? Have, we have three different types and they're probably equal in the, in the user population. Uh, one is the totally not technical person who heard about Bitcoin and want to, to use it. Uh, and we have some very early users that are in this situation. Um, 
who are just totally not technical and they want to have some side gig and accept Bitcoin payments. So they uh, bought another and run BTC Pay server or just a wallet, a Lightning wallet on top of it. Uh, the other type is the pure hardcore Bitcoin enthusiast who is on the market for any new device appearing and didn't probably even unpack the box. <laughs> <laughs> and the third one is the technical people who understand and want some particular feature. Uh, we so we didn't mention that yet, but we are running the Dojo backend, so you can use it with your Samurai wallet. It's the same idea. You just scan a QR code and it connects your Samurai wallet to the to the Dojo backend. Oh yeah. And you don't use the Samurai servers anymore, so your transactions are totally confidential from them. Um, so now that we have this new box, which is dedicated to running this backend, uh, we have a lot of users, which are just Samurai users who want to become independent from their servers. So that and that is the the Noddle Dojo, right? Yeah, so okay. all the nodes get this functionality, but the nodal dojo has a few features that make it better for that use, uh, such as a red storage. So you get two drives in mirror of each other. If one drives, in one drive dies, you still have a second drive. Uh, and it has full disk encryption because for running the Whirlpool mixer, you need private keys on the box. And we didn't want people to have private keys on an unencrypted box. So um, I'm sorry. I just want to go back to the uh, the redundant mirror drives. So I, to understand, do you do you have like a uh, like a backup UI that or like a restore UI where you know like the the drive gets detected that it fails and you can you can actually choose to run off the second or is it just like a like a an automatic I guess like an automatic switching function that that you know primary drive dies and this one just kicks on and you don't even you know you don't even know unless you go check the logs kind of thing. So you will notice because you will have to restart the device. I just noticed that recently. I I didn't think about it when when designing it, mm. and to have um, a faster bandwidth on the swap partition, I split it in two and put and put it on the two drives. And that's part that part is not mirrored. So if one of the drives dies, your swap memory will be wiped, and you will have to restart the device, and then it will restart only on one drive. Hmm. And as soon as you replace the second drive, you have a few comments to run, and it will start rebuilding the red on the second drive. Oh, That's wow. also the path if you want to upgrade the drive capacity in the future. You can just re replace one drive, rebuild the red, and then replace the second drive. I, I, I like that. Uh, I like that you guys put uh, redundancy. Uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, and again, it's just because I didn't check the spec, so it's my ignorance. But does the does the Noddle one also have this redundancy, or it's it's really starts with the Dojo? No, that's the that's the big difference. The Noddle one has only one drive, and it's a smaller box, so it okay. doesn't have space to to put two drives in. Um, and another security feature that we have on the Dojo is the kill switch. So as I said, you have a, an encrypted drive, uh, but if your device is running and someone accesses it physically, he still can access the data. So if someone tries to open the box, it will actually cut the power to the, to the CPU and the keys for the encryption will disappear. That's amazing. That's really, really cool. And I'm sorry, is that on uh, th that's on the dojo only or the one the as dojo well? only? Okay, yeah, yeah. very interesting. It, it it will come to the another one as an add-on module. Okay, very cool. 
Yeah, because I've definitely, uh, I've taken a look at it, and I really like it. You know, I like I like that it's red. I think that's very cool. Does it uh, does it light up? Are there any LEDs that shine through so that the logo looks all cool? Yeah, actually, there's a red <laughs> backlight LED just for the logo, which you can deactivate if you want. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got to look pretty, you know? It's, I don't know, I'm a fan of that, you know? It's, it's got to, obviously, it's got to work, but it's got to look pretty, and you guys have it all, so that that's pretty cool. Um yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't really have any more questions for you guys. I, I think that that's uh, unless do you, do you have anything else that uh, that you want to add about uh, about uh, about the Noddle project? I I think the most important thing to say is that we wouldn't be here without the community of our users. Uh, they were incredibly supporting all the time, even when the shipping delays uh, happened because of the virus and other technical reasons. Uh, and we we thank them a lot for for being understanding and being with us all that time. Bitcoiners are the best, man! Fantastic. Shout out to the uh, to the Noddle community. All right, guys, thank you very much. By the way, for uh, for joining me on my pod, I, I really appreciate I really appreciate your time and all your expertise and what you guys are bringing to the Bitcoin community in the Bitcoin space. Thank you very much. Well, thanks. thanks for having us, Phil. Thank you. Hope everybody enjoyed my conversation with the folks from Noddle. If uh, you want to reach them, you can find their contact details in the show notes for Twitter. Uh, as well, if you want to reach me on Twitter or Telegram, I'm at CoinIcarus. If you want to shoot me an email, I am CoinIcarus at funwithbitcoin.com. Thank you all for listening and catch you all next time. <laughs>